0: Welcome to The Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed his love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us his word through which he continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The
1: Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. This is Pastor Eric J with St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this program where we celebrate the grace of God given to us by faith in Jesus Christ, who, uh, who loved us by dying for us and rising again to bring us justification, uh, which is what we're talking about today, being justified before God, um, not by works of the law. Not by being good enough, uh, but simply by celebrating what God has done for us in Jesus. Chip, Jason, how we doing two weeks outside of our 200th episode? Um, Still
2: recovering. I had a lot of fun, and I'm yeah. you know, thankful for the experience and got to meet new people. And uh, yeah, it was a great night. Yeah, we had some folks that uh, we'd never met before that uh, came by and,
1: and participated. So thank you for that. And we're going to continue uh, in chapter 3 of Galatians today, picking up in verse 10. We ended in verse 9 last week, but before that, um, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I feel like I just took down the Christmas Uh tree in the sanctuary. But uh, hey, Ash Wednesday is coming up. It is.
3: Actually, this year it coincides with Valentine's Day, which is
1: very appropriate. Very appropriate. sermon almost writes itself, doesn't it? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting ready to ask, like, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, the the love of God, right, given in in the death of Jesus Christ, and then you know that message coinciding with Ash Wednesday. Ash is representing the death of ourselves, um, which is where we find the love of God. The end of ourselves is the beginning of eternity,
3: and the beginning of the season of Lent uh, that goes right into Easter, which is you know. The the seminal event.
2: Yep. So I read too much into it. it. It's just simply the connection of love. Mm-hmm. There's not actually a biblical connection to Valentine's Day.
1: No. And I don't think there's Hallmark cards for Ash Wednesday either. But maybe they'll start that this year. <laughs> well, they are,
3: but they get all over
1: the floor when you open it up. Oh, geez. Here we go.
3: That <laughs> means it's
1: time to get started with our Bible study. Right. <laughs> Chip, why don't you pray for it?
3: Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work of faith, uh, faith that you give to us as a free gift, faith in your son that came and died for us, that we could live eternally with you, uh, our heavenly father who loves us enough to sacrifice his son for us. Bless us this morning as we look into your word, Lord. In your son, Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. I just realized we talked about Ash Wednesday without actually telling people about our services. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, Ash Wednesday service is coming Wednesday, the uh, 14th. The 14th at 7 o'clock p.m. at St. Mark Lutheran Church, an evening service. Uh, great way to end the day is uh, beginning the season of Lent. So, join us right off of 90th and Blondo here in Omaha. All the details at stmarkomaha.org. All right. So that brings us to Galatians chapter three. We're picking up in verse 10, uh, a really quick overcap. Uh, if you haven't been following along, uh, won't take you too long. Go back and start the beginning uh, of our series here. Uh, but Paul has been writing to the churches in Galatia, distressed over the fact that they are straying from the true faith. A faith defined, not by our works or anything about us, but all about God and what he has done, his faithfulness to his promise to bring salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus who paid for our sins. As he told the Galatians uh, at the beginning of chapter 3, uh, Oh, Galatians, who has bewitched you, it was before your eyes that Christ Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified, and goes on to make the argument that <laughs> that's that's all you knew. That's the message through which God revealed himself to you is the simple message that Jesus paid the price that you owed God. And now, how do you think, why do you think you're going to finish this race of faith by something you do? Don't you think that there's a little bit of a
3: parallel there, you know you you if you get the opportunity which is I mean, an amazing blessing of of seeing somebody that uh, god has granted faith to uh, as a new believer mm-hmm. uh, and uh, typically they're just on fire because they yeah. have they have gotten a full dose of wow god loves us that much and we're yeah, looking it what for the first did. time and then you know as life happens uh, a lot of times they'll they'll start kind of backtracking a bit and and uh, so it's there's some a little bit of parallelism with with what's happening here
1: yeah certainly um, you know whether you want to call it a honeymoon period or whatever you know when you when you get the gospel for the first time it truly is overwhelming because you realized it's it's done. It's finished. I, I don't have to worry about death anymore. I mean, you're you're still not going to like it, but For sure. I don't have to worry about what happens afterwards. I'm I'm secure. God is with me. Uh, this world starts to make sense, and you're on fire. Uh, but then you're still that sinner, right? You you still, as Paul himself, who's writing this letter, would say in Romans, I there's that sinner within me that still kicks against it, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think also. Um, I, I have experienced at least a lot of times when those new believers um, kind of fade away once I get to know a little bit more about uh, how they came to faith. Um, we, we don't do new Christians any favors when we suggest that if you come to faith in Christ, all of a sudden things get easier. They right. don't, right? right? Jesus never promised that. Uh, I was just having that conversation with someone this past week. Uh, it's so much in our nature to think that God deals with us according to us, so that if I'm bad, he treats me bad. If I'm good, he treats me good. Um, and that's because we're creatures of the law. And, and that's really what Paul is is emphasizing here. Our nature is to want to go back to the law. Um, but that's not where salvation is found. Um, that's what he says in verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse.
2: Now, the key word there is rely. We're all under the law mm-hmm. and the works is what we think we have to do. Obedience to the law. Yep. Yep. So circumcision, right? That's the big
1: one here. The, the covenant given to Abraham there, there was a law given you will be circumcised, but Paul's argument that's coming up is there was something before the law. The, the law isn't how this whole thing got started. And it's very much related to what he said up in the beginning of chapter three. In verse three, are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? So he's bringing that argument and continuing on. It's not obedience to the law. Yes, we're all under it. But the only reason you're cursed by the law is if you try and live by the law to be saved. Now, are we supposed to try and live by the law? Yes, but not in order to be saved. Well, we've talked about this before. If you go back to when the law was first given through Moses, the Ten mm-hmm. Commandments, the very first thing God says before he gives the first law is, I am the Lord your God. I've delivered you out of Egypt. So I'm not giving you this law in order for you to follow it in order to be my children. I have made you my children. You are my nation, Israel. Therefore, you will follow these rules. And it's a very basic, but absolutely disastrous misunderstanding of the law. Why was it given? It was not given in order to save you. And that's where Paul's going to go. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them, which is really saying, "Look, guys, you got one of two choices. If you go back to Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, this is repeated everywhere. Cursed are you who don't abide fully by the law. So then you're left with two things: either the law was given for the purpose of just condemning and killing everybody, or the law was given for another purpose. And the Paul's argument is going to be, well, since the law didn't come first, that's not the purpose." Now it's evident that no one is justified in verse 11 before God by the law. And justified just means set right. Okay? Made right. Your relationship restored. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Now he's quoting Habakkuk, the prophet. And he's saying it's evident because here we are, Jesus is dead or Jesus died, rose again, he's ascended back to heaven. Here we are a thousand years later, hundreds of years later, and the prophets even said, it's not the law. (laughs) The prophets said it's by faith. It should be evident to you. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles,
2: so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. There's some uh, just maybe human nature at play, too. Uh, your faith in God is it enough? Do I have to do more? Like we sit here idle. As people and feel like there's it's you know we always have to do more there's always got to we're in a society today of more 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 like once you get to this rung on the ladder there's got to be another rung and, yeah and i think that can be applied here easily because our we're just we're sinners we're imperfect people and we feel like we have to go do more 100 percent agree and
1: i think that's because we know we haven't done enough i mean it's understandable right we, we know we've done wrong. We know if the scales were brought out, the, the result would be disastrous for us. And so we have this propensity to try and do more. The message of the gospel is that's a good feeling. That remorse, that repentance, that acknowledgement that you have failed is the right thing. The wrong response to it is to try and do more. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you, you, you confess, I, I've never done enough, but you know how I'm going to fix that? I'm going to do more. I'm going I'm <laughs> to do more. That's the preposterousness of this argument that you're going to go to heaven because you somehow do enough or believe enough. The, the, The knowledge that we have failed is good. But the response to that is to simply fall before the feet of God and beg for mercy and say, I can't do enough. That's what Jesus calls us to do. If you're going to be my disciple, pick up your cross and follow me, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, is what Jesus said. And and that's that's the difference between Christianity, like we say in the intro to this show every week, between Christianity and every other religion in the world. It's why the people that make the argument that all religions are basically the same is Absolutely wrong. They are basically opposed to one another and only superficially the same. The only thing that's similar between all the religions in the world is that they're a religion. Christianity is the only one that comes and says you you, you can't do enough. Every other religion in the world says you have to do you have to do something, and here's what enough is. And this is why Jesus was so radical. And this is why grace is so offensive. We do wanna do more, Jason, and that's okay, but the doing starts <laughs> with, with doing nothing, really, with receiving, and you get that going back to the days of creation. Watchman Nee, a wonderful Chinese theologian who wrote the book Sit, Walk, Stand. I did a sermon or two on it years ago. Um, one of the most brilliant theologians in my mind, um, he says it's counterintuitive to everything we do, but if you just read the Bible, And you go back to perfection and see how we were supposed to live. We were supposed to live beginning with rest. God made everything, crowned his creation with Adam and Eve. And the very first thing they were supposed to do was sit down, (laughs) rest on the Sabbath. Before you're able to do anything of good for God, your first job is to sit on your hands and, and say thank you for it all being done already. That's the only way you get the truly good news and joy of the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying here. This whole thing starts with faith. It, that, that's what Adam and Eve were called to, right? Mm-hmm. Faith. Believe me, Adam and Eve, when I tell you, if you eat that tree, you're going to die. They didn't have to do anything to be perfect. They were made that way. The whole thing started and will end with faith alone. And Paul's going to give this example in verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, verse 15 of chapter 3 in Galatians, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say offsprings, referring to many but referring to one offspring who is Christ. So follow his, his thinking here. The, the promise given to Abraham before circumcision. So chapter 15 in Genesis is the institution of circumcision, right? Before Paul's now going all the way back and he's kind of even alluding to chapter three in Genesis, right? The seed Mm -hmm. of, of eve the singular seed the offspring singular that he said through your offspring to abraham the all the nations in the world will be blessed so before god even gives the law of circumcision he gives the promise to be believed that through abraham all the nations of the world will be blessed and then it abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness so he says, this is what I mean in verse 17. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. So Paul's saying, look, even in human terms, if there's, if there's a covenant made between two people, whatever comes after does not nullify what comes before. Otherwise, it's not a covenant, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that God gave the promise of salvation and Abraham was justified by believing that promise first before circumcision. When God then later comes and gives the law of circumcision, that doesn't nullify his promise. That doesn't now mean, oh, you weren't justified by faith. Now you have to be justified by circumcision. And he says in verse 18, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And again, this is the same argument that I talked about with Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. God did not give the law to Israel in Egypt and tell them, you have to follow these rules and if you don't follow them enough, I'm not freeing you from Egypt. No, they had forsake. They had forgotten about God. Right. Yes. He came and said, nope, I'm just freeing you because I'm generous. I'm loving. I made the promise to Abraham, the promise to Abraham that I would, that I would be faithful to his offspring. The law hadn't come, right? So that doesn't nullify the promise. God said, nope, I'm freeing you first, now I'm giving you the law. To put it another way, what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is not to be the power by which you are saved by your obedience. The law comes and reveals you can't. It doesn't come with the promise that you can. <laughs> it reveals that you can't so that through repentance and trusting in God's grace, We are saved by the power of his grace, not by the power of our
3: obedience to the law. And to reiterate, verse 19 goes right into that same.
1: Yeah. Verse 19. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, the offspring, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary, Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Now we're going to have to get into that part next time. But that verse 19 is especially important. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. What does that mean? To show us our sin. Right. (laughs) So then it's absolutely counterintuitive to say this law that was given to show us how bad we are is now how we're going to be saved by being good. Right. And that's our, yet
3: yeah, that's our default.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's a confusion. Again, like I said before, we know we have failed and I think it's a good thing to want to be better and to want to do good. Jesus, the the message that has to be believed, like, Jesus talking with the rich young ruler, right, who asked, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you even call me good? What is good? God alone is good. So before you start talking about good works, recognize that he's the only good one. So good works are necessary, but they don't come from you. They come from him. And the only way that we receive him is through faith, by believing his promise to save us. James would say it, faith without works is dead, right? Good works don't create faith, and faith itself is not a good work. Good works are the evidence that faith has been given and that faith in Jesus exists. We know the Lutheran confession
3: is very pointed about Teaching the differences between the law and the gospel. Mm -hmm. The the lens which we look honestly at probably every verse in the Bible. Yep. Uh, And why do you think why do you think that's so unique
1: to the Lutheran confession? Well, because I think it was it wasn't unique to Luther. I think in the grand scheme of time, our experience, Luther's is the one that we say rediscovered the gospel. Okay, The church was steeped in law, right? I mean, so much so now they were saying you can buy yourself out of hell with, with actual real money. <laughs> Somehow God now receives currency. Um, you, you can buy your salvation. Um, Luther lived that life. It, it, it condemned him in his heart and soul. And by the grace of God, the, the gospel was revealed to him, and that reopened the good news of salvation to the world. Um, and realizing how much is lost when that distinction goes away, I think that's why Luther hammered it so much. Um, you can't understand God without law and gospel because God is both— just and holy and righteous and loving and gracious and merciful. They, they go together. He's not just all loving. Right. Otherwise, you get universalism. doesn't matter what you do, who you are, what you believe, you're going to go to heaven because God is love. Wait a minute. We don't even love that way. So you're telling me if you love your spouse, if you love your kids, when they do something wrong, there's no consequence? No. Yeah, we don't love that way, but that's, that's the error of not having law balanced with gospel and going over the top with gospel. The, going over the top with law lands you in, well, you're not going to get to heaven unless you do enough to appease God, mm-hmm. which we could chase our tail all day long. What's enough? Who says what's enough? God says enough. And Paul's whole point is God has already said you can't do enough. That's why he had his prophets telling you it's by faith. So why are you trying to do enough again?
3: we can extend that argument a little bit because we have the benefit of the entire scriptures and we know that Christ on the cross said it is finished. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the, the thing I want to keep asking is
1: what part of it is finished <laughs> means that there's still left yeah. stuff to do. You know, and I was thinking about that the other day because I know the answer, but it's just how do you communicate it. What is it that he's referring to on the cross? And I was pondering that because we <laughs> because we're coming up on Ash Wednesday and Lent. And the thing that just kept going through my head is, is what Jesus told John the Baptist. When Jesus came to be baptized by John, and John said, what are you doing? I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And what did Jesus say? Do it now to fulfill all righteousness. That's what was finished on the cross the perfect sacrifice of god came lived the perfect life humanity was supposed to took the punishment for their sin he didn't deserve and now that righteousness is fulfilled god's righteous expectations in 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 humanity living as he made us to be has been fulfilled and now his righteous wrath against unrighteousness has been exhausted and so it's finished mm. it's a powerful Little word it, yeah,
2: yeah, I was just gonna agree to that, and you took the words right out of my mouth, powerful, I was getting ready to say the same exact words, and you know it's really easy to forget what it is every single day, you know you you can get involved in your life and and you know really uh forget the fact that he died on the cross for it for us for everything we can't do yeah and and thank God that he sends people like Paul to write
1: letters to remind us mm-hmm. and 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 pastors uh, and and Christians and brothers and sisters and people in your life to to keep it in front of you to say hey there's nothing more important than you reading this again today mm-hmm Right? I don't care how many times you've read it or thought about it, do it again, because your propensity is to forget. If, if you say you believe this, then that's the truth. And by the grace of God, you know, the hound of heaven uh, pursues us each and every day. And uh, we don't have to look far. Uh, if, if, if we're looking for God, we don't have to look far to see him, and we don't have to look far to see how the hope is not in ourselves. Uh, I think he makes that abundantly clear.
2: For some, I mean, it's easy to be blind to it. I can definitely attest to that. It's it's it is as Galatians says,
1: um, the nature, the human nature is opposed to the spirit, and the spirit is opposed to the human nature. It's it's not that we don't know; it's that we're naturally opposed to it. It's it's easy for us to ignore it, to pretend like it's not real, um, to to get lured by the world and get sucked into it. But that's why we have the Bible, the book of Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. That's why we're doing this is to remind us over and over and over again that it is finished, it's done. And, and that good news is itself, <laughs> when believed, the power and goodness to do good works, to follow the law. It's not that we're not supposed to follow the law. You can't do it unless you first rejoice in what's been done for you. And and that's really what Paul's point is. It's great you want to follow the law, but you're not going to be able to do that until you first realize you don't have to, because it's been done for you.
0: We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to EternalConnectionRadio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.